stage. <laughs> Hi, folks. <laughs> oh, today on the show, finding... <laughs> I. You know what? We're just going to start the show, and you'll see what it's like. Rejoice, because the Catholic Underground starts right now. <laughs> Oh my goodness, uh, we're, we're just going to go ahead and start the show. It's time for the CU Weekly, for the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. I knew I had a job to do. It's yeah, episode well. number 360. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we got Kathleen Lee. She's the religion teacher at Archbishop Chappelle High School in Metairie. She's our locally sourced faith ninja. Yes, indeed. Hey, Kathleen. Hey. She showed up for work today. Uh, here yeah. I am. Also, we've got uh, Olivia Galino. She's the associate director of youth and young adult ministry for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Hello, Olivia. Hello. Up in space, we've got Jeff Blackwell. He is uh, a little under the weather for being over the weather uh, up in space, but he's the technical director of the CU. He's the commandant of the Jeff Star One near-Earth orbit satellite. And, and though he will not be speaking... He will be running our audio levels. We're very grateful. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And of course, uh, Ed Ball is in the ball pit, who is running the graphics for us. And, and I, you know, I'll just go ahead and give you a little inside baseball. So we recorded our Christmas special before we're recording this show live with you on the radio and uh, and on the internet. And uh, I forgot to change out all the video elements. So it's going to make for an interesting show. Well, you know, nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward we, to this. We had we had like a our Christmas dinner um, here mm-hmm. on the third Sunday of Advent, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we got so we we enjoyed the meal so yeah. much, yeah, that I forgot to do my job. But yep. you know, luckily but you did your job. So luckily now we've got, you were we've got a beautiful fire. We still have a fire. raging fire. In the yeah, back, it's yes. beautiful. But it makes sense right here on uh, on Letare, uh, not Letare. That's Lent. Gaudete Sunday. <laughs> yes. Where, where we're being exhorted to rejoice. Mm-hmm. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice because he is near. And so we give you a little, uh, you know, nice little table setting here. Yes. For those of you listening on the radio, we have our, our um, Christmas tablecloth and we have uh, the fire. So mm-hmm. make sure that you catch us next week and you'll get to see the Christmas spectacular. Yes. And um, in the meanwhile, we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about some Christmas things. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a good day. To do that, mm-hmm. Kathleen, are you listening to uh, to Christmas music yet? People I, have a different sliding yeah, scale. Here. I I I normally wait until after Thanksgiving, um, and even though it starts in like July Fourth, we start singing Christmas stuff. Um, I wait until after Thanksgiving because I, I know that's for your, my that's your benchmark. Yeah, I know from just for, and I don't you know like some people get all up in arms it for me it's just a personal thing. Yeah, you know it's just a personal choice that I made. If you want to listen to Christmas music in February. March, I don't care. You know, mm-hmm. you do what you do. Um, but for me, I know I have. To, I I want to be able to enjoy Thanksgiving and really focus on what Thanksgiving is about. Be thankful so I can carry that Thanksgiving into Advent. Yeah. Um, and then really be mindful of the of the the season of Advent. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I am listening to Christmas music. I have put in my Christmas decorations. I got a real tree this year. Oh, Ooh, fancy! Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Achievement unlocked. It's shedding in my apartment. <laughs> oh, you might need a little more water. <laughs> and then, uh, huh? the cat likes to eat it. But mm-hmm. you know, oh, mm-hmm. whatevs. So we thought we'd talk a little bit about uh, some <laughs> Christmas music that actually kind of speaks about advent because we're at the halfway mark in advent and of course our halfway mark uh, is a little over halfway because Mm -hmm. of the way that the calendar falls in 2017 sure but uh but yeah so uh wherever your your benchmark is for when you start listening to christmas music i still don't really listen to christmas music i'll start listening Mm -hmm. um 
maybe sometime around Christmas Eve. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I usually wait. I usually wait. Good for you. It's kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. We we learned that in the seminary unofficially. The mm-hmm. the abbot of the monastery did not like Christmas music to be played anywhere mm-hmm. on campus. Mm-hmm. And so um we didn't really hear any Christmas music until Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a miniature a St. Martin's Lent, you know? Because yes, yeah. originally back in November, that's when the the um, the Advent season would start. And so there was a very penitential character to it. It yeah. uh, doesn't really quite translate the same way today. But yeah. I, I kind of observe that with, with music. So um, here are some secular Christmas songs that might very well be about Advent. Number one, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I can see that one. Yeah? Okay. So it doesn't proclaim it to be Christmas, um, but that it's starting to look like it. Mm. And and if you think about it, think about the the words. You know, they're you know, take a look in all these storefronts. Mm-hmm. They're starting to put up their Christmas things. It's kind of like almost what's happening in in society, right? Where people yeah. start putting up their Christmas decorations. But the song is letting you know that it ain't here yet. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, that gave me a new appreciation for the the so called. Yeah war on christmas you know <laughs> that even the fact that folks are putting up christmas decorations we as as catholics can still go it's beginning to look like christmas mm-hmm. so i can actually have this advent anticipation mm-hmm. um in the same way oh i'm gonna make a jump here in the same way that i can go to mass and experience the already but the not yet mm. there's something there's a homily right there there, yeah. is. there it is for that one day of the fourth week of Advent, there you go. That's right, yeah. Maybe that'll be my fourth Sunday of Advent homily. Yeah. <laughs> you have 18 hours now. Well, less than that, yeah. Um, silver bells. Silver bells, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, hear the bells go ring-a-ling. Soon it will be Christmas Day. Yeah. So the, the idea that you're, you're being exhorted to listen to, um, to the church bells that are calling you to worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like something that. that we don't think about too much either, is, is the church bells calling us to worship yeah. right. during this, this holy season. Yeah, I just, I just finished uh, the last unit with my students was about like the smells and the bells and the sights and the sounds in mm-hmm. the liturgy. You know, and I was like, y'all, like, you know, and that was one of their biggest questions. Why do we have bells? I was like, because all of these things are, are drawing us in and, mm-hmm. and signifying that something important is happening right, right at this moment. Yeah. You know, um, and so, so really to hear them come back and say, Oh, I noticed this in mass. I noticed that because mm-hmm. I heard something or mm-hmm. yeah. So to be able to hear, okay, this signifies I need to perk up and you know, yeah. Something, yeah. something's near. Yeah. And, and so many um, religious traditions have a bell mm-hmm. as a, a call to, to some form of prayer. Sure. Mm-hmm. And the Catholic church is no different. In fact, we have the, the Angelus bells at six noon and six. We have the bells that ring in a certain order, calling people to mass and then, of course, we have the Westminster chime, right? We have the mm-hmm. bells at the top of the hour and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to uh, to put back in the quarter hour bell ring oh, yeah. so that uh, I have a benchmark of where I am in the liturgy. Oh, oh, yeah. That's what I used to do. Like I would mm-hmm. know at my previous parish, we had the quarter hour bell. And so I would know that if this bell rings at this time, I need to be starting the gospel by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if this bell, if the half hour bell rings, I've gone over from my homily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, we we used to live um, not far from our church. We do now, but we've I've always not lived far from our church. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up, I used to hear the bells all the time, mm-hmm. and I would know, okay, it's whatever time. You yeah. Know, like oh, maybe you know, when I was little, it was like okay, I, I need to go in or I need yeah. to check in with mom. You and know? of course, that's the whole notion of the silver bell, mm-hmm. right? Is is it's to it's to give you a benchmark 
so that you can plan your day around prayer, around the mm. prayer of the church. Mm -hmm. And certainly that comes back to the monastic communities that used to do that. They would signal not only the monks to prayer, but also the surrounding community. And so you yeah. could keep the hours with the monks in your own way. Mm -hmm. uh, very cool. Um, Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus, St. Nicholas. <laughs> Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out, Kathleen. You better not cry. You better not pout. No pouting. I'm telling you why. Why? Santa Claus coming to town. Oh. Yeah. It's pretty harsh. If you pout, Santa Claus is not going to come. I, I, ha I will. <laughs> it's not that I pouted. It's that my heart is three sizes <laughs> too, too small. small. <laughs> it yeah. shrunk a size and a half. <laughs> and this time I'm keeping it off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so we know, of course, the real reason for Christmas is the birth of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But songs about Santa Claus um, are kind of appropriate for Advent, mm -hmm. you know, um, especially since St. Nicholas's feast day is December 6th. Yeah. So you can put your shoes out and don't pout. No pouting. <laughs> That's right. Or no candy. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, in some families, they, they, they call Santa St. Nicholas to make mm -hmm. that very clear connection between Santa Claus, mm -hmm. Father Christmas, and uh, and St. Nicholas. Mm -hmm. uh, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. My grandmother used to sing us that. Yeah. yeah. I think everyone's grandmother, especially <laughs> around the time whenever you lose those front mm, teeth. Right. Which yeah. I did in a really catastrophic way. I had snaggle teeth. Oh. Wow. Mm. I, I guess I didn't lose them so much as they were just parting ways in a really unfortunate way oh <laughs> like like two like two like, neutron stars like yeah I'll bring colliding and then repelling oh, let's yes, just say that you. age eight was not a prime time in olivia's life yeah yeah so and i think we do want to see pictures yeah, yeah. glad i definitely want to see right. pictures i've grown into my, I, i've grown into my little gap <laughs> i like it because it works work it. for yeah, you yeah it does it is yeah well, Mine was like a 270 degree angle between. <laughs> <them>. <laughs> that's that's some serious uh, oral geometry there. Uh, so it's a song preparing for Christmas. The sentiment of needing one's two front teeth is a little bit silly, but the child is clearly still in Advent. And I guess having your oh. two front teeth is the best way to enjoy Christmas cookies. Well, and 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 is that a metaphor for the Lord Jesus? All I want for Christmas is when I'm missing. Oh. Jesus. I'll drink my fizzy water mm -hmm. back. That's some deep theology right there, my friends. Now we know why she teaches religion. Because mm -hmm. that's actually a pretty <laughs> solid connection. You know? yeah. mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, there's uh, Kathleen's classic, All I Want for Christmas mm -hmm. is You. That's Go a more Mariah contemporary Carey's. one, right? Mm -hmm. Mariah yep. Carey's, yeah. Gosh. Um, I don't know. Should, should I read it? Let's see. All I, want Christmas, all I want for Christmas is you. You, baby. Oh, I won't ask much for Christmas. I won't even wish for snow. And I'm just going to keep on waiting underneath the mistletoe. Yeah. That's about waiting. Comma, for the Lord Jesus. Yeah, for the, yeah, yeah. we got to wait for the right Come reasons. Come on, Mariah. Finish the song. That's right. Yeah. I, I think having you read all these lyrics is really the best part of this. If you could just read them in this monotone I, I, of a voice. I, 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 your I feel like, I feel like every, every college uh, commencement speaker that says, and it reminds me of a song. And then you just, you know, you read it like uh -huh. I've been doing, mm, yeah, yeah. you know, with William Shatner in flexion. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, for those of you who rock the wham and who doesn't uh, last Christmas, um, mm -hmm. I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'll save it for. Some, I'll give it to someone special. 
It's a little bit bitter. Comma, like right. Jesus. <laughs> like Jesus, yeah. This so you could, could turn all these songs into Jesus this songs. Is a, this could be a discernment song, <laughs> uh, you, you know? know, right? Yeah. <laughs> we have another song about the theme of disappointed love. It anticipates, it anticipates Christmas as a better time to be done with past sorrows, which is actually a very good thing. Um, in our in our Christmas spectacular next week, we'll talk a little bit about about that, you know, about putting aside past ills and uh, and being at this Christmas. Mm-hmm. Being and present not, at the Yeah, end. yeah. Letting go of the ghosts of Christmas past. That's important for us. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the old classic, I'll be home for Christmas. Oh, yeah. thank you. I yeah. like that one. You can plan on me. I like that. You can plan on mm-hmm. me. Not count on me. You can plan on me, yeah. which yeah. means all of you OCD schedule makers, I'll be <laughs> right home for here. Christmas. Yep. <laughs> uh, please have snow. He's also he's also making an order. Please yeah. have snow and mistletoe mm-hmm. and presents under the tree. Um, there are a number of, of Christmas songs about wishing for a place or a person. These are all symbolic of our Advent longing for Jesus, ultimately. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think part of it too is is the incarnational nature of our faith too. When we are with our family. We experience um, uh, kind of a, a foreshadowing of that completion at the manger scene. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, white Christmas. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, mm. just like Every the ones year. I used to know. Every well, year down here in the South, and yeah, do I get in it? In Louisiana, no. ours was deferred uh, to yeah. a few weeks earlier. Yeah, and it so. won't happen for another decade or two. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, so I think I was born in the wrong place. So it's a song that dreams of, of Christmas and something beautiful, a uh, snow. And in fact, snow is something that occurs in in Isaiah, talking about mm-hmm. about our sins being uh, forgiven and about us being cleansed like the snow. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's a, a beautiful thing. Uh, Frosty the Snowman, <laughs> that timeless classic. Yes, indeed. Yeah, um, Frosty is is in one way merely a winter song. But he speaks about coming back on Christmas Day. So it's taking place in Advent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites, uh, We Need a Little Christmas. This was oh, yeah. Angela Lansbury's classic, you know, Bring Out the Holly. I don't think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, oh, I love that one. Sing it? Yeah. I don't, have, I don't yeah, remember that one. Before my spirit falls again. Yeah, uh huh. It's from. No um, idea what you're from... We need a little Christmas. Right, right this very night. Oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Carol's at the spinet. Yep, there mm-hmm. it is. That's right, yeah. <laughs> So or this takes dun, 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 dun. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Dion Warwick, is that you? Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, this is a song taking place about wanting Christmas, about needing that joy that comes from the season. Well, uh, we'll leave the other two for you um, because you know we 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 want to to not give you all of them, but we'll just tell you it's Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, <laughs> and it's the most wonderful time of the year. Discuss amongst yourselves how talk you think these yourselves. Advent songs. And as you talk amongst yourselves, we'll remind you that we are the Catholic Underground. The Christmas fire is burning and it's Catholic Underground Weekly in Advent. <laughs> That's right, you are listening to the Catholic Underground. We are online at catholicunderground.tv. I am Father Chris Decker, joined by Jeff Blackwell in space, running the audio for us. Uh, Olivia Galina was also present, as is Kathleen Lee. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And the music stops on you. <laughs> Musical chairs. As it always does. <laughs> what? Are you, are you singing Last Christmas in your head? Is that yeah. We, we, you'll have to listen to next week's show. Although, I don't know if it was in the show, in the pre-show or what, we were talking about the sequel to Kathleen's Hallmark movie. Oh, yeah. I think that was in the... Mm. It was probably the pre-show. I don't know. 
at any rate, so so you know, Swiss guard my heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's gonna, gonna be a thing, people. It's gonna be <laughs> Kathleen's Hallmark movie, uh-huh. where she she um she get. We actually had the plot working out, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have the sequel. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what we called it? I've, Something odd. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember now. There you go. But anyway, we've also got the sequel we'll worked out. We'll think of it. Yeah, we'll think of it. There you go. So it had something to do with her living happily ever after, with some minor catastrophe that it gets dealt with in a very wrapped Christmas-y up kind way. of way. That's yes. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it'll end, spoiler alert, with snow. I mean. It would have to. Yeah. <laughs> a magical snow. In Louisiana. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know how to introduce this uh, this next topic without sounding incredibly vain. You probably think this topic's about you. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, ideas for, for gifts for priests and nuns and religious. You know, oftentimes we want to yes. give back to to those who give back to us so much. And so uh, uh, Sister Teresa Alatea Noble yep. has come up with a list, yes, if okay. you're asking. Yeah, you know. and, you, and you should ask, because let me tell you this. Um, it's, it's like gifting your teachers. <laughs> Priests, religious, nuns, anybody who works for the church, if, you may be not a big gift, but mm-hmm. please at least tell them thank you, mm-hmm. uh, because this is their life, their work is their life, their life is their work. Um, and, and this is a great time, especially, uh, this time of year because they're so busy, mm-hmm. you know, it's like this and Easter is when, when, mm-hmm. you know, uh, these people, and they're working tirelessly throughout the year. And, and, um, and so it's hard to buy something. I am a gift giver. I like to think of gifts that are, are intentional. Um, most the times I come up with crazy handcrafted ideas that are um, awesome. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, but thank you. Um, <laughs> but I love, like, I love to give gifts now religious, right? Priests, nuns, religious. Those are always the hardest to buy for because they have everything and nothing all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, they have most of the time what they need. Um, and yeah. most of the times they've taken some kind of vow of poverty and whatever you give them, they're going to politely receive and then give away. <laughs> um, so what do you, what on earth do you buy for someone who has either everything or nothing at all? Or both. Or both. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. This is, this is a great list that sister has come up with. And, um, yeah, um, she, the first one is very useful, yeah. actually. And this is something that I hate giving. But uh, the first one... Kathleen's an intentional gift giver. Yeah. That's true. <sighs> I hate you giving. You can do it. But the first one is gift cards. Gift cards. Now, um, I don't ever really know specifically what a priest or a sister uh, may want to buy or may like to buy or, you know... Books. Like, books. More books. Yeah. That's so, me, though. But if you right. give them a gift card to, uh, you know, some of the, the places that sister suggests are Costco, Whole Foods, Amazon, Trader Joe's, uh, local grocery stores or drug stores. Because, you know, I always think of, of, of especially our, our sisters, our nuns, um, you know, they, they wear habits and, and you never see, you know, that's one of mm-hmm. the biggest things that my students ask, do you have hair under your veil? And they're like, yes. No. Do you sleep in your habit? No. <laughs> they, you know, brush their teeth and wash their hair just like the rest of us, you know. Um, yeah. But a Catholic bookstore or Amazon or mm-hmm. um, a coffee shop. Because we, I mean, I was sick a couple of weeks ago. 
I had to buy NyQuil. NyQuil is expensive. Yeah. And so well, like yeah, a, and religious a drugstore don't, gift card. Yeah, and don't have, they don't have a lot of a lot of disposable cash a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so something like a, um, a gift card can not only benefit the individual, but also especially if they're living in community. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to somewhere like Whole Foods where they can go and like they have to spend it at Whole you Foods. You can get the nice salmon. So you know you're gonna yeah. get, they're going to get some good stuff, you know, and, and, and they can benefit their... Because their, um, that's actually a treat too, especially for a religious order. Um, if you give them a gift card to one of the the nicer, more gourmet uh, supermarkets, mm-hmm. uh, the, I, I've seen some religious sisters that walk in going, oh, "We don't even know this exists," mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so that that there's some Christmas morning joy, yeah. you know, yeah. that you can kind of yeah. give there. Now, this next thing is is also something that is I love. I love to uh, write handwritten notes. Mm-hmm. I I think we under. PSA. I think that we <laughs> underestimate the power of a good handwritten note. If you go to someone's house or you go in and visit, a, you know, a, a religious community, write them a note. Hey, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. So stamps and stationery, especially for religious, mm-hmm. um, because um, oftentimes uh, I have a few friends who are um, in formation mm-hmm. and they can't call mm-hmm. or they can't FaceTime or they can't come right. and visit. Um, and so they do a lot of letter writing. Um, and so maybe um, some stationery with their, uh, maybe their new religious name on it mm-hmm. or, um, you know, with the the, n- the name of their order mm-hmm. Um it's a beautiful gift. Or, I, or a quote. Sure, a yeah, or, quote or, or a scripture quote. I just started getting into um, those wax seals. Mm. Oh, yeah. Right? I think those are super mm. cool. They are really neat. I love them. Mm. Uh, sister says it's so funny because Sister says um, that she doesn't do the, the flag stamps, the regular flag stamps. Mm-hmm. She's constantly looking at the, the website to find um, the most unique and most beautiful stamps available. Mm. And oftentimes at Christmas time, you get our, lady, really neat our Lady will be on. Oh, that's yeah. true. That's yeah. right. There's always um, a nativity or holy yeah, family yeah, on yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I stock up on those to use throughout the year. Ha, ha, ha. Pro so, tip. So she says that letter writing may be a lost art, but it's still alive in convents and religious houses all over the world. So um, I know last week I, I um, showed you Cassie Peace Designs um, Christmas cards for them to send out to their families. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you know, artwork from the Benedictine monks, or um, there are a lot of religious orders that also put out other mm-hmm. um, other beautiful work uh, watercolor stationery saint note cards yep. i found some at a, at a local uh catholic bookstore in baton rouge and i stocked up on them they had them on sale so i have like padre pio saint joseph mother Teresa, awesome cross wax seals as i was saying um father hesburgh or flannery o'connor stamps hmm. okay yeah i guess nice I- um, cards from uh, Printery House that support the monks at Conception Alley, Abbey, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are just a few uh, specific things. I was going to say, you've got a lot to go through and you're yeah. only on stationery. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, so number three, uh, coffee, coffee, and, mo- and more coffee. They drink tea. coffee and maybe tea. tea. Uh, if you're like me, I'm a, I'm a tea drinker. Um, um, there's a lot of places out there where you can get good coffee that supports supports other religious communities mm-hmm. like mystic like Monk. mystic monk mm-hmm. we use mystic monk a lot around here um or find it or find a fair trade yeah. company um those are really cool i i tend to to do gifts from fair trade companies because i know that um, it may not be religious but it's, it's some of the money is going back to people that yeah, need it mm-hmm. yeah definitely um let's see 
alcohol. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. A good bottle of wine mm-hmm. um, or something that the community can share mm-hmm. um, would be something very good. There's a variety of beers that are brewed by um, some some monks. Um, and we'll have all this in our show notes that you sure. can, if you're like, man, this uh, and sounds I know for, for a priest, um, you know, priests, whenever we get together to visit, sometimes we'll like to have a, a nice uh, bourbon or a nice scotch mm-hmm. or something sure. like that. Mm-hmm. And that's always something nice to have on hand. Um, and so ordinarily, you know, um, a, a priest, I, I might buy a nice bottle of scotch once a year, Sure. you know, and it, it takes me three or four years to get through it. <laughs> but uh, some parishioners have always been kind of kind and, and they'll give you a very, very nice bottle of yeah. scotch that you can break out whenever the bishop comes over yeah. or something nice. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's kind of nice to have. Yeah. yeah. I actually have books. Most religious appreciate books. The only thing that I have about this is um, I never know exactly what somebody yeah. might be interested in. Mm-hmm. They have a specific taste. But um, she gives some new releases that are recommended for religious, um, including um, Spirit of Simplicity, Humility Rules, Five Proofs for the Existence of God, anything by Dr. Brant Petrie or Scott Hahn. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. These are awesome reads. And, and Five Proofs for the Existence of God, I think, might be uh, Father Spitzer. Mm. Ooh, yeah, I think you're right. From the Magist Center. And that's. Uh, yeah. I think I might have that book. Hmm. This next one is really interesting. Tickets to oh, an Edward ev- Fesser. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. No, um, tickets to an event. Uh, mm-hmm. As much as as you know, as priests and religious um, are committed to their work and to their 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 church, they like to go to baseball games mm-hmm. and football games, and you know, maybe culture is important. A good concert, mm-hmm. you know, every now and then. So, um, so maybe that would be a, a, an, an interesting and unique gift to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is time of silence in the re- religious life, but they're also looking for good music. Mm-hmm. Um, the Daughters of St. Paul have several beautiful albums. They just came off of a, um, of a, like a national tour, yep. um, including a two-CD uh, set of Marian hymns. Cool. That's right. That's There's a the lot movie. of good Catholic music out there. Um, movies or movie tickets. Mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine's mom who was uh, discerning a, a religious order, and that's what she asked for. She's like, send us all your movies, mm-hmm. um, because they were looking for, for things to do as a community. Yeah. Um, cash, money. Yeah, cash, right? sometimes. Something, and, and, and something that they can use for themselves or... Oftentimes, again, they use it on other people. Mm-hmm. Um, just and if you think about it on a larger scale, uh, money is useful for religious communities because they can use it for plumbing and roof sure. repairs and medical Practical expenses. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's Absolutely. just the reality, too, if you're going to give yeah. a gift to a, an order. Mm-hmm. Always the gift of prayer. Please. Um, especially, you know, something might be cool is to, to have a mass said for, yeah. um, for a, a spiritual bouquet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I like to make with my classes student, uh, with my classes, spiritual bouquets uh, from them because mm-hmm. it's a lot of prayers. Um, so a lot of things that we were talking about were gifts from other religious communities. Yep. Uh, if you are gifting tea or coffee, find a good place that, you know, a religious community that, that does that so that you they know your gift is supporting something else have and some holy biscotti yes mm-hmm. thank you yeah. and if all else fails nothing yeah nothing sometimes it's okay not to get anything for for that special religious in your life mm-hmm. uh, just to tell them you appreciate them and that you love them and that your words um may be all they need to hear that's mm-hmm. right or or doing something nice on their behalf mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, um, doing a clothing drive or things like mm, that. That's sure. always a cool thing because we we often like to hear thank you, but we also like to hear, guess what I'm doing um, yeah. for the Lord mm-hmm. uh, because I've been inspired by cool. your example or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and we'll definitely put this list. I mean, there's so much more on here, but we're yep. going to put this list on uh, the show notes for you. 
after the show. We certainly will, and we want to invite you to stay right where you are because the Catholic Underground rolls on in this special Advent edition. A prayer for vocations. O oh God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, grant we beseech you through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, Saint Joseph her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Rocking along here. Welcome back. You found the Catholic Underground with me, Father Chris Decker, joined by Olivia Galino, Kathleen Lee, Jeff Blackwell in space, Ed Ball in the ball pit, switching the video for us I'm on so our video I'm so glad that feed. that is sticking. I am just like, <laughs> Hey, well, yes. you know, it is kind of a pit over it there. It is, you know, yeah. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. It's not sunken so much. But, I mean, uh, if I if I had any, if I could redo my yeah. classroom in my office, you'd have a sunken it'd pit. It'd be a ball pit. A ball pit? <laughs> mm-hmm. Or a foam pit. I'm not quite sure which one yet. I would believe they'd be interchangeable, right? Oh, well. Wednesday's ball day, (laughs) Thursday, foam day. I think one of these days we're going to need to actually fill that room with like a ball pit. Oh. Make it into an actual ball pit. I think that the assistant in your office might be able to help with that. (laughs) He seems like a trickster. I think so. Yeah, a little little Krampus (laughs) in his style. Sure thing. <laughs> that goes out to you, Joe Bass. That's right. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know Joe Bass, then you'll need to look him up. Uh, Red State Catholics on uh, on Facebook. That's the youth and young adult group for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Yeah. Um, Joe is uh, definitely fun on the air. Yep. All kinds of antics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, our picks of the week are coming up a little bit later, but uh, first we want to talk about something that perhaps is very prevalent, especially in this uh, in this holiday season, huh? Yeah. Why young people don't believe anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bishop Robert Barron, of course, is is a, a, a great philosopher of our day. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's talking a little bit about um, about this phenomenon of how young people are what we call nuns, many yeah. of them, huh? N-O-N-E-S. Right, yeah, you yep. hear that and you think, oh, we have lots of nuns in our young people. Wonderful. <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 N-O-N-E-S. Right. Um, yeah, so this is something that Father Barron has been very... Um, outspoken about um, this. If you've read Sherry Woodell's book on um, forming intentional disciples, she talks a lot about this. Mm-hmm. And there's actually another book by um, Jean Twenge, I guess mm-hmm. is how you pronounce her last name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called iGen, um, and she addresses this from more of a secular perspective. But um, she's really noticing a lot of the same trends that w- that we're seeing. Uh, and the the thrust of it really is that we're becoming more and more unreligious mm-hmm. uh, as young adults and as youth. Uh, and that's something that we see in our office a lot. It's something that we're having to tackle, yeah, yeah. figure out what it's are we It's not that do young people this? don't want community. It's not that they don't want right. uh, some form of, dare we say, worship or anything mm-hmm. like 
but it, it isn't happening in, in the traditional senses that it used to. Right. Yeah. It's happening now in gyms, um, becoming their own kind of churches. It's becoming coffee shops, becoming mm-hmm. craft groups. Beca- I mean, really yeah. anything can become a sort of quasi-church kind community Kind of like what, what Starbucks uh, corporately would call the third place. Mm-hmm. It isn't home. It isn't work. It's the third place that you go. Oh. oh it yeah. used to be church, right? It used to yeah. be your parish community. That's a good term. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so Jean Twinge's book, iGen, it's about the generation born between 1995 and 2012 specifically. She says it's one of the most fascinating because, uh, well, also depressing, because uh, of these trends that we're noticing. Uh, she has a specific chapter on religious attitudes and behaviors among what she calls iGeners. Mm-hmm. That unambiguously indicates what's leading this most unreligious generation in our history away from churches. Uh, And she concludes that the iGen, this current generation, is the least religious generation in U.S. history. And really all you have to do to come into contact with that is talk to a teenager or a subset Mm -hmm. of teenagers. I mean, Kathleen, I'm sure you deal with this all the time. You teach religion. Every day. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, this is my life. I don't know if I'm speaking out of school, but we were looking at uh, at some some test results. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. uh, uh, the things that the priest wears. Yeah, I I often, th- yes, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. I often have a, a good chuckle at what they write down. I'm like, what, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and things is- that are that you know that used to be, or I grew up on. I'm not much older than this I generation, but mm-hmm. um, but I grew up being taught in my mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. You know, this this was common. You know, it was yeah, common. Yeah you, yeah, you knew what talk. Yeah, these basic things. Yeah, were. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she does something unique. She takes statistics um, gathered by Father Andrew Greeley, a priest and sociologist from the 80s, statistic that he works on, uh, and compares them to what's happening now. Mm-hmm. And what she found is that, you know, for instance, in the 1980s, 90% of high school kids identified with a religious affiliation or a church. And now that number is 65%, and it's falling. That mm-hmm. number is decreasing pretty rapidly. 90% of high school kids. Yeah, that's that's a... That's a very high number. Right. <laughs> I mean, and especially considering like the 1980s, that's not a time when things were, you know, this is 30 years past or, you know, 25 years past Vatican II. Uh, mm-hmm. You're just like, this is not a time when things were all calm and hunky-dory. So right. 90% is a pretty significant number. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the point that she's making is that we used to comfort ourselves with statistics to show that even if young people didn't participate in some kind of quote-unquote formal religion, mm-hmm. that they were still believers. They still maintain some type of prayer life. What that looks like, we don't know. Yeah, but uh, it and, usually and they, manifests in that phrase that, that kind of makes my skin crawl. I'm spiritual, but not, not religious. religious. Yeah. Yes, or the... I feel God. I feel closest to God most in nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those kinds. Or so and so doesn't go to church, but they love God. Right. You know. Yeah. And and so we. She. That's her point. Is that we we're we're used to these kinds of attitudes that at least espouse some kind of belief mm-hmm. at the core. There's some kind of yes to God in some form or fashion, um, and especially that some kind of belief in God. But today she's finding that more kids are less religious and actually less spiritual. Um, she says she she has found that one third don't believe in God. So whereas before that was ten percent, now that's thirty three percent. She also says that um, eighty five uh, in two thousand four, eighty five percent of young adults said that they prayed regularly. In two thousand sixteen, so just a couple of years ago now, twenty five percent say that they never pray. Hmm. 
So that number, you know, it was 15%, now it's 25% over a course of just about a decade. And I wonder how much of that is uh, simply a catechesis on what prayer is and isn't. I mean, catechesis, mm-hmm. of course, is a very religious-sounding word, but right. but an understanding of what prayer is. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And it's, in fact, this next statistic made me think that same point, because she says that, um, uh, talking about the Bible, about scriptures, she says that 25% of young adults say that the Bible is, quote, a compilation of ancient fables, legends, history, and moral precepts recorded by men, end quote. <laughs> and that screams to me like bad catechesis. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think uh, from what I remember reading, I don't know if, there, if there's any truth to it or not because I, I don't have a listening device in my home, but if you ask Alexa, mm-hmm. you know, who is Jesus Christ, uh, uh, she'll say he's he was a fictional character, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. That I, doesn't help anybody. I saw a little video on that and I was like, I had to stop watching it because it made me mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But of course, those are some of the things that are feeding the culture too. Well, yeah. You know? Well, how much, how, you know, like if, if Google says something, I mean, my students, mm-hmm. I found it on Google. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> and that makes it law? Like yeah. what? what, what? Yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia. I found it on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, in the history books. <laughs> yeah. And even, I mean, I don't know, I can remember back to some of the, the religious instruction that I'd had, where I'd, someone, if, even if it wasn't me, someone had asked a question about, you know, Adam and Eve, were mm-hmm. Adam and Eve real people? And the answer sometimes was no. And I remember even at a young age being like, what? Yeah, something doesn't yeah. quite square with that, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't understand if we can say that the, the scripture's inspired by God, but this is wrong. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that might, especially this this statistic about, um, statistic about, the Bible uh, really speaks to me about our, our attempts to appropriate what we think scripture should be or what we think that it's trying to be and kind of putting it in our own little categories and our own little boxes because we're modern and we know how mm-hmm. to interpret things better than they did 2000 years ago or we know how to um, what the prophets were really saying and that mm-hmm. kind of thing um, like that that revisionism yeah it's mm-hmm. definitely revisionist history but there, there's a sense of pride to it like well we know better yeah we we have so much more uh, in terms of technology we understand the world better yeah we seem to have been reliving that over and over and over especially since uh, the the so-called enlightenment right you know, mm-hmm. where where human intellect overtakes mm-hmm. what god has given in the intellect right mm-hmm. exactly and that that gets ultimately passed down yeah absolutely yeah. it's it becomes its own tradition yeah, so Twinge ultimately concludes that um, the waning of private religious belief means that this young generation's dissociation from religion, it's not just about uh, a distrust of intuition, of institutions, excuse me. Um, she says that more are disconnecting from religion entirely, even at home and even in their hearts. So it's mm-hmm. becoming something that they don't even have a communication with. Mm-hmm. Um, and thus they don't, they don't understand it, so they have no reason to engage with it. Like the time that I went to, uh, back when I went to fast food restaurants, this mm-hmm. was a long time ago ago now it was probably 2007 i was at the drive-through at raising canes which is one of our uh, chicken finger Mm. reese (laughs) (laughs) just chicken fingers folks that's right just one thing and and so uh, i was i was sitting there in my car and uh, the young lady was was handing me out the 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 bag of bag of chicken (laughs) and she looked i was in my cassock and she she said do you dress like that all the time i said yeah she says why (laughs) i said well i'm a catholic priest she goes huh that's what y'all dress like. I was like, yeah, yeah. Mm. all the time. Yeah. It's not a costume. No, she was wow. legitimately flabbergasted that, huh. that this getup was, was real. Wow. Yeah. That's astounding. Yeah. Don't you watch the movies? We all dress like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Bishop Barron 
kind of chimes in on this. He says that um, without any religious institution in in one's life, like you know that young lady at the at mm-hmm. Raising Cane's, mm-hmm. uh, he says that there's no way for one to learn to be spiritual because you need the structure of religion in order to. It, that's what houses the spiritual life. Right. That's where you learn the spiritual life. It's not just ritual for ritual's sake. It's how you learn how to have a relationship with God. That you see the outward manifestations of it, but the inward reality is this is the spiritual life. Yeah. So without you know an engagement with that institution, you can't really even learn how to be spiritual because then you're just kind of making it up. Uh, and that's why, you know, I've talked to people just recently and, and it seems like their spiritual life is really just more of like intuition about, I think God is this. So this is what I do when I want to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's well-intentioned, but mm-hmm. ultimately fruitless because mm-hmm. if you don't know who God is, you can't talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's worth noting that of course the Lord for his part is merciful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even those of us who are professional prayers know not how to pray as we ought, you right. know. Um, and there is to be some, something to be said about the, the, the groaning of the Spirit, even within a young person who's never been taught how. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, if, if one's not careful, we can begin praying to, to, we can begin to pray to the creature and not the creator. Right. You know, and praying to the creature can never get us ultimately to the creator if the creature becomes a thing that we worship. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Um, so they both, uh, both uh, Bishop Barron and uh, Jean Twinge, look at what's causing this falling away from religion, because that's really what we're, we're after. We don't want to just get lost in these statistics. Mm-hmm. We want to know, okay, what is it and what can we do about it? Because that could be a bleak place if we just stayed there. Yeah, like this is not a fun conversation to have. It's one right. that I have in my job a lot and mm-hmm. it's never, I never come out of that conversation feeling like, all right guys, like this is a good day. <laughs> it's a good meeting everyone, yeah. <laughs> I come out feeling like, oh my, what but are we going to do? But it helps if you know that there are some reasons and so that's what we're Right, and here, both yeah. of them give three reasons. Um, and, and Bishop Barron is a, is a fan of her book, uh, Jean Twinge's book. Um, so the first reason they give is that the premium placed on personal choice by iGeners is much higher than it was in previous, previous mm-hmm. generations. What does that mean? The kids are growing up with just a myriad of choices. You know, they can pick their clothes, their shoes, all kinds of technology, their careers, even their morality, and even their gender now. <laughs> Nowadays, yeah. Yeah, and everything is left to choice. And so if you're left with this kind of smorgasbord of options, then you're going to start picking and choosing the things that are most appealing uh, without really a rhyme or reason or a morality behind mm-hmm. it. Um, but religion comes in and the perception is um, that it's, it seems to be an imposition. But really religion is saying, here's the truth. Here's the mm-hmm. truth of things. Here's the truth about your life. Here's the truth about morality. Here's a structure to be able to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't sit well with iGeners who have been raised to think that, you know, the world is kind of uh, your oyster, that right. everything is available to you. Uh, religion comes in as saying, uh, the perception could be that, oh, well, it's taking some things away from you. Right. Well, because if I've determined that the absolute measure of everything is me. Right. And the choices that I make. Mm-hmm. Then, then yeah, whenever somebody who, you know, <laughs> dresses funny yeah. and then <laughs> purports to tell them about you know, about God, Mm -hmm. about who God actually is, who he reveals himself to be, um, how he does, how that revelation takes place in scripture and in tradition, it can seem to be restricting, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and if I may be so bold, this is really a fallout of, of a lot of the, of the, of the sixties mentality of, I follow my conscience no matter what, Mm -hmm. dot, 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 without the, but my conscience has to be formed by an objective source. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And so the objective source becomes me and I follow my conscience, even if it is completely wrong. And I absolve myself from the responsibility of forming it in any way whatsoever right. by an objective source, by an absolute. Right. And, and, and we see this is, this is the fallout from that. Mm-hmm. And so now you have ultimate choice and the kid thinks that their ability to choose is what gives them arbitrary power over anything you know, and everything. over anything and everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're right that it becomes we become the center of our own morality. You know, when people say things like, oh, well, this is just my truth, then they've set themselves up to be the arbiter of their own truth, mm-hmm. um, which means that you know, extrapolate from that, that everyone has their own truth. And then we can we're all just lost on our own little islands. Mm-hmm. But when you have some someone like a priest or um, even this is why I think evangelization is so important when you have someone who's just regular Joe or Jane saying, no, this is the truth. So they're, they're a representative of something higher mm-hmm. than themselves. And it's impacted my life. Yeah. Yeah. Who am I? I'm nobody in this grand scheme of things, but I'm loved by God. Mm-hmm. I love I love I love him. Therefore, mm-hmm. I love what he tells me about himself. Right. And that becomes the guide for my life. Yeah. More right. so than a guy in a collar. A lay person can oftentimes uh, make that happen, especially if you're a parent. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It always starts in the home. Um, so B- Bishop Barron uses a billboard that he's seen in Southern California as an example of this that we're talking about. He said, it says, my life, my death, my choice. This mm-hmm. is obviously an issue that we're dealing with a lot nowadays is um, physician-assisted suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can contrast that with St. Paul saying, whether you live or die, you are the Lord's. Yeah. Um, so religion's claim to truth really is at odd with the culture of choice. Uh, and th- honestly, this isn't something that's new. You look mm-hmm. at, you study moral theology. This is something that's been going on for a really long time. Yeah. The idea that, you know, you just have this, this assortment of choices and you, you choose, none is really better than the other, or you have a, a morality of freedom where you're, you're freed from ins- uh, an enslavement to sin, to make good choices, yeah. um, to make choices that are in line with the truth. That's what we believe. That's what we uphold. But it's so hard to hear that with the noise of the culture saying, right. no, choose what you want. Right. You know, you don't have to be restricted. I always think about my moral theology course and, um, and Father Surveys Pinkhairs, which is mm-hmm. one of the greatest names ever, mm-hmm. who talks about <laughs> one of the great sources of ethics uh, for the Christian is not the freedom, um, the freedom to do what I want, but rather the freedom to do what I ought, right? Mm-hmm. Not freedom from, but freedom to. Yeah. And, and I think we forget that, that whenever we as a Christian, uh, or really even as a person, are called to make choices, we make the choice for what is best mm-hmm. and not just beca- not between this or that. Right. I choose what's best, not just choosing because I can choose. Right. Yeah. You know? All right. So the second uh, reason that both Bishop Barron and Twinge give is the, the belief that you cannot be religious and scientific. So it's the... That old chestnut. Yes. This yeah, old yeah. faith versus reason. There is no faith versus reason. No. It's faith and reason. That's right. They're both together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. um, but, I mean, there is this idea among young people, um, they see science as the only path to truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can see evidence for this one thing. They have proved it via all of these tests and studies. Therefore, we know that this is the truth. When it comes to religion, you can't do that, so to speak. So we don't know that this is true. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, quotes from from Jean's book, 
say that I knew from church I couldn't believe in both science and God, so that was it. I stopped believing in God. Okay. And attitudes like this are are ignorant of the compatibility of faith and reason, as mm-hmm. we've been talking about, um, and ways to truth other than science. Think about philosophy. Philosophy was the first exercise towards truth, mm-hmm. uh, and it, because it included everything. Aristotle was a scientist. He was a philosopher. He was a theologian. He was a linguist. Mm-hmm. He was a, a guy who looked at ants on the ground and studied them for days. Like mm-hmm. he, he was everything all in one because he was a philosopher, but also things like drama, things that we learn, we can study beauty. That's right. Um, because if we believe that goodness, truth, and beauty are all one, they're all the, the they're all transcendental and they are all one. Mm-hmm. Then looking at truth is the same as looking at goodness is the same as looking at same as looking at beauty. That's right. Which is why whenever you go to a good dramatic performance or see a good film, you actually get in one of those moments where you're rocked to your core, mm-hmm. where you then begin to ask yourself some questions you didn't think you were going to ask after watching that movie or seeing mm-hmm. that play. Yeah. You right. know, that's what good drama does. Right. It points us towards the one himself. Right. And uh, the third reason that they give is that churches are perceived by young people as unfriendly towards people who see themselves as gay or mm-hmm. transgender. Mm-hmm. So uh, the iGeners have come of age in a period of, of gay liberation, of cultural acceptance, mm-hmm. and this, you know, this is not something that's obvious. I mean, this is not something that's not obvious to people. We all know this. Mm-hmm. Um, so many see anything other than total acceptance of that homosexual lifestyle as hatred or as mm-hmm. gay bashing. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, she says that 64% of 18 to 24-year-olds believe that Christianity is anti-gay, and 58 believe that Christianity is hypocritical. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's like we've been saying, like we, we uphold the truth in the church, but the truth is always accompanied by charity, but charity yes. is also accompanied by truth. Absolutely. So you love someone enough to tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. So when it seems like the church is, is standing her ground in a way that's, that's uncharitable, look to the truth of what she's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like a, it's like a mother who, who sees a snake in the yard and doesn't allow her kids to go out and play right. because she doesn't want them to be bitten. She doesn't want them to be hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what the church does when she stands her ground. It's never because she hates you it's always because she loves you that's right it's the the children cannot see the snake in the grass Mm -hmm. and the danger that it poses they can only see the playground that they want to be on right (laughs) and the mother is is protecting them from that and so when we talk about the the beauty of the complementarity of the sexes when we talk about the integrity Mm -hmm. of the human person we talk about how our bodies our biology how our how our spiritualities are made how our physiology is made um, we are attempting to show forth very much that the truth the Mm -hmm. truth that God uh, shows us through through Scripture, but also through through our biology, through right. our very bodies, through yeah, life itself. The reality mm-hmm. of who we are. That's another way that yep. science and faith really go hand in hand. That's right. We and as persons exactly. reveal who we are yeah, and who we're we, created to be. And that's the beautiful thing about it is that we are a mystery, but God unfolds that mystery for us. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so yeah, that's um, so. There's hope. There is. There's hope. always hope. That's right. But you know, and if you ever wonder what you can do um, to 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 help the situation, just have a conversation. That's have right. a conversation like this. Uh, mm-hmm. Engage someone who who thinks that they believe one thing. Ask them questions. Yeah. Um, because yeah. then you'll get to the root of maybe they don't know what they think, and maybe you yeah. have something that can help them. And it's not always easy to have those those questions. But if you proceed from a place of charity, mm-hmm. then then you or I should say the conversation. If you're proceeding from charity. You can actually have the conversation, and it's okay to be uncomfortable in the conversation, yeah. and it's okay to not have the answers for them, but Absolutely. it's important to engage the person 
so that you yeah. know where they're coming from rather mm-hmm. than just simply prejudging. And that's what causes that's what causes bigotry and that's what mm-hmm. causes hatred and all these isms is when we think that we have the other person completely figured out already mm-hmm. that we don't encounter the person. Right. Sure. And and that's I mean that's a challenge for us, you right. know, because we we want to think that what's going on in our head is right. And even if we are correct essentially, we're still called to proceed in charity and encounter the person. Exactly. Very very true. So Uh, A good conversation, to be sure, but uh, on this uh, day of rejoicing, uh, we're recording, of course, on the third Sunday of Advent, we want to take a little bit of time uh, to do that part of the show that we like to call The CU Pick of the Week. I didn't change that graphic or sounder, so so (laughs) that was an easy one, yeah. Uh, So for our Pick of the Week uh, on this third Sunday of Advent... Kathleen, do you, do you have one yeah, for us? Yeah, I do. I, oh, she's um, got it in yes. her hand. Mm. Uh, it's a book. Ooh, mm. Kathleen picks a book. Uh, <laughs> it's a monumental day. Um, I was, I somehow came across. I don't know how I came across this. Um, there's a book called "I'll Push You," and it's about two guys who are lifelong friends. In fact, they were born in the same hospital, like 24 hours apart or something. They grew up together and had a beautiful friendship. And then uh, one of them, uh, Justin, is Patrick and Justin, and uh, one of them, Justin. Um, I don't know, develops this disease. It's very similar to ALS. Mm-hmm. So his body starts to shut down. And so he and his friend Patrick um, decide that they're going to spend the rest of, of what they, they don't know how long Justin will live. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to spend the rest of, of his life going on adventures together and, oh, and cool. spending a lot of time together. And so one day Justin is, I mean, he's almost quadriplegic. He has mm-hmm. very little use of his hands. Um, he, can't, he loses the ability to feed himself, to dress himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day Justin sees the Camino. Oh, on like yeah. the the travel channel or something, and he goes, I wonder if somebody can do that in a wheelchair. Mm. And so he calls up his friend Patrick, and his Pat- and Patrick says, right, I'll push you. Mm. And so they 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 find this like like off road wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick goes to his his boss and says, Hey, I need to take six weeks off. And his boss says, Okay, but you have to like film it. And yeah. so they get a film crew together and, um, and they go on the Camino and I started reading the book before the, before the documentary came out. Um, and, and I have to say I'm only halfway through the book, but I enjoy the book better than the, the documentary. It's, it's a lot more detailed, awesome. but it's a beautiful, beautiful story. I'll push you. Um, and you can find, I think the video is on Vimeo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the book it's, it, this is a great book, um, gift idea for somebody. Yeah. Neat. I'll push you. There you go. Yep. Olivia. So my pick of the week is um, my continued love and admiration for Spotify. Um, <laughs> so they always do, or they have done in the past few years, their end of the year playlists. So the, mo- the things you most listen to, your favorite artists from the year. But this year they did something different and they had a playlist called The Ones That Got Away. Mm-hmm. And it's tracks that you didn't listen to throughout the year, but that are either from some artists that you're already familiar with, but really the, ma- the majority of mine weren't. They were completely new to me. Um, but it's things from genres that you would probably like, um, but that you just didn't have a chance to listen to this year. And it knows because it knows everything. (laughs) Um, But it was actually, I mean, I I go into, you know, pre-made playlists as kind of skeptical because I'm just very picky. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was, it was a fire playlist, I have to say. So I can't say that it'll be the same for you, but if you use Spotify a lot um, and it kind of knows your music preferences, it's worth a shot. The ones that got away. Very cool. Um, uh, one of the things I, I want to mention, I'll mention my pick of the week in, in just a sec, but because I have a minute, oh, yeah. I'm going to do a quick little uh, back chat pick Yay. here. So um, we, we received this in the mail um, from Jackie. 
She says, started listening to you all as my Linton ad and have greatly enjoyed every podcast. Please accept a copy of my friend Justin McLean's book for Catholic educators as a Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas and God bless. Thank you, Jackie. Yeah. We're going to give this to Kathleen to read first. It's Yay. called Call to Teach, Daily Inspiration for Catholic Educators. Um, uh, by Justin McLean. I love that. I flipped through it. It's, it's like a day-to-day little. Oh, that's like, nice. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, calendar days. Yes, for... I, I love it. I'm I'm mm. super excited about this. So thank you yeah, so much. Scripture and little reflections for Catholic educators. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is right up your alley. I know. Yeah, thanks, Jackie, very much. <laughs> for those for... days when I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool. So little Jesus in my life. This right might now. be a pick of the week again, Ooh, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Once you read it, very cool. So so thank you, Jackie, and of course. Uh, you know, um, she found us uh, on um, on CatholicUnderground.com, and yeah, she yeah. found out a way to get, um, it was addressed to the CU crew, and oh, cool. it came and That's got awesome. here, so, so thank cool. you. Yeah. We like mail. We do, we do. Um, my pick of the week is something I stumbled upon yesterday because I was working um, into the afternoon, and I wanted some background music, but I was thinking of something different because I just finished, well, I'd finished watching a Star Trek movie. <laughs> so, shocker, <laughs> I know. So, um, so the YouTube user Tyrannicus... <laughs> <laughs> has a, has a channel in which he has made a mega suite for various um, aspects of the Star Trek universe. Oh, so I, I know, I know. All right, okay. And anyway, but he's also done a mega suite for Superman versus Superman versus Batman. He's done done a mega suite for Star Wars, um, for Middle Earth, um, for well, for Pokemon if you like that sort of thing. <laughs> but uh, but so he's got one, and so what he's done is he's kind of strung together all of the the musical scores from the films. That's cool. But he's woven them together throughout the different films. Um, so that that one kind of blends into the next one, and they last mm. for forty five minutes, forty eight minutes, hmm. wow. and and so it really can just kind of be in the background. And if it's something like I know, Kathleen, you're a big fan of the Pokemon. Oh yeah, <laughs> got to catch them uh, all. Yeah, and so and so, <laughs> and so this suite uh, it lasts for seven minutes. The Middle Earth one lasts for forty two minutes. Wow. So you can work. And if you're familiar with the um, if you're familiar with the the uh, the movie mm-hmm. soundtracks and things like that, then Every now and then, your your mind will go, oh, that's yeah. that's that's the tag yeah. theme from mm-hmm. from Frodo or whatever. I do like a good uh, a good the background film. I like I like oh, a good film, film score. score. I used to mm-hmm. when I studied, I would I would put film scores on. And so yeah. these are all together, and that's my pick of the week. I'll make sure because his channel has got a really long list of stuff. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. make sure that uh, that's in the show notes Excellent. for you. Yeah, cool. Tyrannicus is his name if you want to search <laughs> tyrannically through it. Alrighty, this week Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you. You can join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. And portions of the Catholic Underground are brought to you by audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. That's audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. If you want the show notes for this episode and for all the things that we talk about, you can always go to catholicunderground.com to get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, our panelists this week have been Kathleen Lee, the benefactress, the faith ninja, and the Advent Samurai. Yes, indeed. Hiya. <laughs> At Kathleen Y-A-B-R. Do you check your Twitter? I don't. Okay. Uh, uh, Olivia Galito <laughs> also joins us. She's at OM Galito, and she doesn't check her Twitter account I don't either. either. We're really going to have to update that Maybe, with something. Yeah. Maybe Instagram? Maybe Instagram, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Our technical director up in space is Jeff Blackwell at Jeff Blackwell us on Twitter. Jeff, do you check your Twitter? No, he doesn't either. <laughs> My goodness. Twitter's our, out. <laughs> our, our research assistant is, uh, is of course, um, uh, Jim Hayes. He's the leader of the crew in the lab. And, uh, you know, well, Ed, Ed, I don't want to forget Ed. Ed Ball no. is our video director. I don't think he's on Twitter. Um, and you know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Twitter at Digital Catholic. I check it from time to time. 
I'm also at Digital Catholic on Instagram as well. We hope we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We're the Catholic Underground. We're Faith Gun Digital. We'll see you next time.